A reading from the book of Exodus. Thus says the Lord, you shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you shall return it to him before sunset. For this cloak of his is the only covering he has for his body. What else has he to sleep in? If he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. The word of the Lord. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength, O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. My God, my rock of refuge my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Praise be the Lord, I exclaim, and I am safe from my enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. Extol be God, my Savior. You who gave great victories to your king and showed kindness to your anointed. I love you, Lord, my strength, my strength. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, you know what sort of people we were among among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you become a model for all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to await his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. 
the word of the Lord. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. To you, Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. Whoever loves me will keep my word, says the Lord, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. As we move deeper into the end of the liturgical year, this being the 30th week in ordinary time, we find ourselves somewhat, hopefully, faced with what was said from the beginning, what was realized at the very beginning of the Lord Jesus' mission as Redeemer and Savior of the world. And we can gain some insight from getting a little context. We know how the adversaries of the Lord in terms of religious leadership of the time have been coming at Jesus, trying to do anything and everything within their power to trip him up, to discredit him. Sadducees, Pharisees, it's even gotten so bad. We know last week the Herodians got involved. And so now we have a scholar of the law. And when we hear that type of terminology in the scripture, the scholar of the law would be what we would call today our scripture scholars. And for the Hebrew people, 
the essence of the scripture was the five first books. We call that the, that's the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the rest of the scripture would have been the prophets. And so when this scholar comes to Jesus with this question, it's, it's a legitimate question. It's a question that was not uncommon for the rabbis of the times to debate and to discourse on. Because at this point, the Mosaic Code has evolved into 613 laws, laws which govern liturgical practice, juridical issues, and the moral life. Now, of those three uh, categories, the one that persists to all times is the law of God that governs the moral life. We may wonder, well, then, why is it that we are given Exodus chapter 22 as the first reading when we usually, when we have the gospel on the Sunday, the gospel and the first reading, the complementary one to another, there's a, a theme that runs through it. Why not the, the passage of the, of the Old Testament where the Ten Commandments are given or something more uh, explicit? Why do we have this particular reading? And when you stop and hear what Exodus is saying, the Lord is telling the Hebrew children, you shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Why single out those particular people? Because they were the most vulnerable, the most helpless of the times then, and they are still the most vulnerable and helpless of our times now. The alien, those who are sojourning, who are exiled from their land, widows, orphans. And the word of God is appealing to the, the children, the Hebrew children, on the basis of their own plight. See how I am, uh, uh, am relating to you, how I am caring for you in your plight as orphans, as aliens, as, as uh, the, the, the stranger, the widow. So as I am doing for you, I now am charging you to do for others. Be empathetic. Remember how it is to walk in these shoes, in these conditions. And so when this scholar comes to Jesus with this question, and Jesus responds on the basis of two scripture from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, known as the Shema. The, the term Shema literally means hear or listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole soul, with all your mind. And then he couples it with Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which, again, exhorting the people to love their brothers and sisters in the community as themselves, love your neighbor as yourself. These were not foreign concepts to the people. They have heard this before, just like you and I. If I were to say to you, isn't this a revolutionary word we hear today? And you're like, really, Father? Come on. It becomes almost whole hum for us. And yet what Jesus does that is unique is that he couples one to the other. This has never been done before. So to say the greatest is always loving God with one's whole heart and to love God with our whole heart means to give over our will to God, 
with one's whole soul. The soul is the, uh, the Hebrew term is nefesh, means one's life. And then with one's mind, the intellect. Love God with everything you are, with everything you have. Everything flows from that. But then as regards the revelation of God and the purpose of God's self-revelation to us in the entire body of the divine scripture, it rests on being coupled with loving one's neighbor as oneself. So the priority is loving God first and foremost, loving your neighbor second and yourself third. And that's the challenge. Because one of the things that sin has done to us, and we still struggle with this, is it's, the, it's flipping it upside down, loving yourself first and foremost, loving God, and then your neighbor. St. Augustine really brings this out in his beautiful writing known as the city of God. In the city of God, the priority is God, neighbor, yourself. In the city of man, it's yourself, God, and your neighbor. And then he goes on to say that all of the law, all of the prophets depend on these two. In other words, this is the foundation. One without the other, it doesn't go. You cannot love the God whom you cannot see. You cannot, in truth, say you love God whom you cannot see and hate the brother or sister whom you see. First John, his first epistle, chapter 4, he, he brings this out in very strong words. In fact, goes on to say, if you say so, if you say you love the God whom you cannot see and hate the, the brother, sister, the neighbor whom you can see, you are a liar and the truth is not within you. So we find ourselves today thinking on how the Lord Jesus began his public ministry. He was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, led into the desert 40 days, 40 nights, faced temptation by Satan, three temptations. And if you've been paying attention to the dynamics leading up to these end times of the (laughs) end days of the liturgical year, This marks the third time that Jesus is being quote-unquote tested. And you would think that Jesus would kind of like be very much dismissive of this guy at this point like he did with Satan, but he, he doesn't. He confirms this revelation of God and he is insisting that this is the basis of it all. Why were they testing the Lord? Because he has established himself as a teacher of the people of Israel. Well, then, if that's the case, they are trying to see, is he adequately grounded in the way that he can not only teach, but can he also interpret and give application to the people as to how to live in right relationship with God themselves and and others? Well, of course, we know Jesus passes with flying colors. He is the wisdom of God incarnate. He is the love of God incarnate. But I always say that of, those, of these two commandments, the greatest, uh, the most challenging is the second, not the first. And it's not so much that we have so much problems dealing with, and I think we, we struggle with the command to love because most in our, in our Western culture, especially, we, 
we equate love with romantic feelings. You have to feel good and warm and fuzzy feelings for another person. But that's not the case, because if we loving God with our whole heart, that's with one's will. Love is a decision, it's an action that emanates out of the will, which is to will what we will, the good of the other. Created just like you and I to the image and likeness of God. And when we embrace what God wants, we begin to take to ourselves not only the word of God, but the action of God as revealed to us in Christ and perpetuated by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? I think when St. Paul speaks of uh, exhorting the people of Thessalonica this morning, he says, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus in the gospel says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened. And he went on to say, if you and all your wickedness know how to give your children what is good, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Of all the things Jesus could have, could have honed in on to say that what the father will give, the Holy Spirit is paramount to becoming that which we receive in word and sacrament because the Holy Spirit is the very person of God. It's the essence of God, which is love. St. Augustine says the whole purpose of the scripture is to draw us out of ourselves into God and into God, into everything God has created, visible and invisible. And this is a process that is very challenging. In fact, I came across the illustration of a a teacher, two teachers were in conversation. The one was a younger teacher that's starting out. The other one has been teaching maybe about uh, 20 years or so. And the, the younger teacher was disclosing that she was getting married. And so the older teacher said, I will tell you, uh, the first 10 years are going to be uh, very uh, challenging when it comes to the type of love that you're called to give to your spouse. And so this prompted the younger teacher to ask the older one, well, how many years have you been married? She says, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. So let us think about how God has revealed himself to us and how he continues to invite us into this communion. We have the first Friday coming up, November 3rd. And I always think about Mother Teresa of Calcutta. When it comes to adoring Jesus, how does one come to embrace Jesus who loves us now under sacramental signs? But of course, the greatest sacramental sign par excellence is his willingness to stay hidden, veiled under the simple, ordinary appearance of bread in our tabernacles. And I remember Mother Teresa saying, when you look upon a crucifix, the thought, the predominant thought that should arise in your heart and your mind is, look at how much he loved me then. And when you see the host elevated after the words of consecration and he's made present to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of the bread, she said the predominant thought that should arise in one's heart is, look at how much he loves me now. Perhaps the greatest way for us to deal with that second part of today's teaching of the great commandment, loving God and loving one's neighbor as oneself, 
is to allow God to help us to love ourselves properly and adequately in his presence. The sitting before the Blessed Sacrament, letting Jesus radiate his divine graces upon us, just like we sit out and we want to gain some rays from the sun, vitamin D, and whatever other benefits that come with that. And by the time it's all said and done, you wind up a little bit uh, feeling tanned and so forth. It's the same principle that's at work, sitting in the presence, just sitting in the presence of the Lord, looking upon this mystery, this, the way in which he allows himself to be suspended in this condition for love of you and me and the world. And you know, when you look upon some, auto, some item of food, any kind of food, long enough, what then becomes the desire, especially for a young child? You don't even have to teach this to a child. If I was to bring the smallest child in this assembly into that chapel and expose the blessed sacrament, at some point the child's going to want me to take that host out of that luna, and he wants to consume it. He wants to touch it, and eventually he wants to eat it. He wants to consume it. And that is what God has established for us so that he might be in us, or shall we say this, that we may be in him as he is in us in a way that we can receive him and in receiving him, give him away. So let us pray sincerely today as we approach the Lord in this most, most blessed sacrament of the altar with the desire for what God wants most from us, a communion of love one to another and a communion of love that is equally concerned with bringing everything and everyone in this relationship together. We can only do it with the grace that God gives us, for nothing with God is impossible. So when we say our amen today, to either a blessing or the reception of the most blessed sacrament, let us truly understand what that translates into. So be it. Be it done unto me according to your word. For as St. Paul reminds us, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit so that you became a model for all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. And in our case, it's to be the witnesses to the whole world. God love you.